This podcast is for mature audiences only. Hi, my name is Claudia McMichael, and I wrote and lived The Other Me. At last, at 23, I had met the man I wanted to marry. On paper, we were the perfect match. We both had the same level of education, a Master's of Science degree. I was a perfectionist, and Ricky had a severe case of obsessive-compulsive disorder. There was never so much as a crumb on our floor or a newspaper scattered across the room. We were both educators. Later, I would get a second master's, and he would get a doctorate's degree. When we first married, I made a little more money than him because I had already taught two years longer. It wasn't but a couple of years until he got promoted and surpassed me in pay, thank goodness. There were never arguments about who worked the hardest or who made the most money. We were both post-war babies, and our parents had lived through through the Depression. They knew the value of a dollar. We were taught if we saw something we wanted, we didn't buy it until we could pay cash for it. Thank goodness Ricky could teach driver's education in the summer, and I could teach summer school, or we would have never been able to afford a down payment on a house. We were 50 years old when we were forced to apply for our first credit card. Our friends Kathy and Jimmy wanted to take us to Las Vegas for my 50th birthday. All we had to do was book our room. Since we had always paid cash when we traveled, we hadn't foreseen a problem. When we contacted the hotel we were staying in to book the room, <laughs> they told us no card and no room. We had three weeks to get a credit card before we left. We knew it would be close, but felt like we'd be a shoe-in to get a credit card. They would be so lucky to get our business. We got letters from MasterCard and Visa the same day. How easy was that? Ricky took one look at the letter he was holding, and I could tell from the look on his face something was wrong. I opened the letter from Visa and couldn't believe we had been declined because, well, we had no credit history. We couldn't believe it. Talk about a kick in the teeth. We had worked so hard all of our lives to save and never be in debt, and this was our reward? How could they? Eventually, they did send us cards after Ricky called and explained the problem. I think they felt sorry for us. Really, who waits until they are 50 years old to apply for a credit card? I share these stories with you to emphasize how in sync we were as a married couple. Our assistant superintendent made the comment one time that he didn't know of anyone who could put up with us but us. We took that as a compliment. Like I said, on paper we were a perfect match, until we weren't. When we first got married, we both accepted teaching positions in Walsahatchee ISD. The problem was that there was very little housing back then. We found an apartment about 35 miles down the road to DeSoto, Texas. We were able to commute to work together, which was a real plus in saving money. Ricky had just picked me up after work and was exiting onto the highway when I started yelling. I kept saying, oh, no, no, no. He thought I had forgotten something important at work and asked if I needed to go back to school. 
I told him no, we just had to get home as fast as we could. He looked over at me, waiting for me to explain. I knew right then my goose was cooked. If this hadn't been a dire emergency, I would have made some plausible excuse, but time was of the essence. Oh, I blurted out that Cracker, our miniature white French poodle, was digging a hole in the middle cushion of our couch. White stuffing was all over the sofa and floor. He really looked kind of cute, you know, like one of those hidden object games. Ricky looked at me and said I had better be kidding because that sofa was a rental and he wasn't going to pay for that ugly couch. I rushed into the apartment and stopped dead in my tracks. So did Ricky. The tear had gotten so much larger than when I had first seen it in the vision. After we both snapped out of our trance, Ricky grabbed Cracker and started gathering all of the stuffing because we needed to put it back in the cushion. The tear was jagged and frayed. Mending this cushion wouldn't be easy or cheap. After we had cleaned up every bit of filler, I knew all hell was getting ready to come down on my poor puppy's head. I could just see Ricky telling me to get rid of that dog now. Never have I been so shocked and so wrong. We sat down at the table without saying a word. It was hard to look at the face of my new husband of four months. I was trying to think how I could plead Cracker's case to save him from Ricky's wrath. Instead, Ricky very calmly said, How did you do it? Well, I thought he was asking me how I could have known this was happening. Before I could think up a good story, he said, Who brought you here? Because I had the car, so it wasn't me. He then asked me something that tore my heart apart. My husband said, Who is he? Who are you having an affair with? I want to know right now. I couldn't believe it. He wasn't upset with Cracker. He was mad at me. Of all the scenarios that could have raced through my mind, this was not one of them. No, not even close. I reminded Ricky that as an elementary school teacher, I only got 30 minutes for lunch, including taking the students to wash their hands before lunch, getting them to the lunchroom, and picking them up five minutes early to go to the restroom. I've yet to meet a good teacher who has ever had a full 30 minutes for lunch. I continued, it takes 35 minutes to get to our apartment and 35 minutes to get back to school. It would be totally impossible time-wise. I also pointed out that I was only around women teachers and my principal was even a woman. We had only lived in DeSoto for a month and hadn't met so much as a dog walker. Oh, I will say this uh, in my husband's defense. We had been best friends for two years before we started dating. He would see me cheating on my boyfriends and even breaking an engagement, which surprised Ricky because he really liked my fiancé. Of course, he would always warn me, Claudia, you're gonna get caught. You always do. It didn't help much that the guy I was cheating with was him. 
After he watched me sow my wild oats, he told me we should get married. By this time, we knew we loved each other. When he put the engagement ring on my finger, he said he loved me, but he didn't particularly trust me, so we better plan our wedding quickly before he changed his mind. Four months later, we were married. You can understand with my history of cheating why he might question my faithfulness. I began at the first explaining that I had something called extrasensory perception. After a few minutes, I could tell my elaborate explanation was falling on deaf ears. Several times, I almost gave up. Finally, I asked if it would have made any difference if I had told him about my ESP before the wedding. He looked at me thoughtfully and told me, Yes, it would have probably made a big difference. This was not the response I had hoped for. I wanted to, him to say something like, Oh, of course it wouldn't have made a difference, Claudia. Our love is so strong. We can get through this. Well, that didn't happen. What he said next was like my worst nightmare revisited. It was like I was nine years old standing in front of my mother. The words coming out of his mouth were almost identical to what my mom had said to me. First, he asked me who knew about me having ESP. I told him that Janet was the only one who knew. He said he didn't want anyone else to know he lived with a mental case. It broke my heart to hear him say this because he had always bragged that he was married to the smartest woman he had ever met. He wanted me to promise him I would never do this again. I explained to him that I had no control over the visions. It wasn't a switch I could turn on or off. He said if I was telling the truth and really couldn't stop having visions, the least I could do is promise him I wouldn't tell him about what I had seen. I promised, but worried how we were going to work through this. I mean, this wasn't like The Witched on TV. I couldn't just wiggle my nose and make my visions disappear. That night was the first time we had not fallen asleep in each other's arms. The honeymoon phase was definitely over. It took two weeks before we felt close again. Ever so often, he would ask me if I still had visions. Of course, I would say, well, not lately. It was like my relationship with my mom all over again, only worse. Over the years, though, uh, Ricky's knowledge of ESP grew, and he actually became interested in the subject. He no longer considered me to be a mental case and actually encouraged me to confide in him when I had a vision. When the visions came true, he would get a big smile on his face and give me a high five. I would like to think it was his undying love for me that made him so open to my ESP, but I think this new awareness came from the movies based on paranormal activity. Either way, I felt grateful he finally believed in me. After I had taught school for 32 years and Ricky was a vocational director for 30 years, we decided to retire. We had saved enough money to live a comfortable life. We had our inheritance from both our parents and invested it along with what we had saved heavily into the stock market. I had joined a gym and was just about to step on the treadmill when I had a vision. I saw the stock market daily board. 
The scrolling ticker tape at the bottom of the board was turning red, and the numbers for Dow Jones and NASDAQ were plummeting. I left the gym and got home as quickly as I could. The minute I opened the door, I started shouting for Ricky to come into the kitchen. The pain in my voice scared him so bad he thought someone had died. I told him the stock market was going to crash. I described what I'd seen on the boards and and then he asked me if I had seen a vision or was it just a hunch. I reminded him that I didn't have hunches, only visions that came true. I begged him to call our broker and sell all of our stocks right then. I told him I knew we would lose a lot of money but by pulling the stocks out early. But if we didn't opt out today, we were going to lose all of our money. He calmly reminded me that we had always done well in the market and he was going to have to think about it. He went on the patio to smoke and I guess he had to make the decision to put his faith in my vision or risk losing everything. He should have remembered, Claudia's visions do not lie. Obviously, his thoughts were in a real turmoil and there was no way I could help him. I went into the front yard and sat on the curb. I knew I wouldn't disturb the neighbors because they hardly ever came out of their houses. I thought, he doesn't believe me anymore, and we are going to lose the hard-earned money we inherited from our parents and all the money we had saved. I cried until I got the dry heaves. My body was shaking so bad I thought I was honestly going into shock. My head was in my hands on my knees when I felt a hand on my shoulder. I looked up and saw it was Ricky. He said two of the most wonderful words I had ever heard. It's done. I jumped up and hugged him as if our lives depended on it. Well, our financial lives did depend on it. Ricky said he told the broker what he wanted him to do, and naturally he balked. Ricky made up some story about how we had been discussing that we were going, getting older and we were ready to pull out our money for some serious traveling. I'm sure the broker thought we had lost our minds. Now for the wait. We kept the television on morning, noon, and night looking for breaking news, but nothing happened. This really concerned me because my visions usually materialized within a day or two. I was getting knots in my stomach. I started second-guessing myself. What if this was the first time my vision was wrong? What if we lost all of that money for nothing? What if Ricky lost faith in me and returned to doubting my ESP? I sincerely hope for my friends, family, and America my visions weren't true because some of them would lose their retirement and life savings. Ricky tried to make me feel better by saying, since not that many people knew about my ESP, they probably wouldn't believe us anyway. We decided it wasn't worth the risk of telling everyone this ludicrous tale. Finally, on the third day of the stock market, cra the stock market crashed, and it was the end of the financial world as we knew it. In the beginning of our marriage, Ricky had been my harshest critic, but when it counted the most, he had faith in me. We did eventually recover all the money that was lost. The sad part was he didn't live long enough to enjoy it. He passed away in 2012 just as we were about to recoup all of our losses. 
One might say we took a real gamble in pulling all of our money out of the stock market. But I would tell them we may not have won the lottery, but that Ricky sure knew a good vision when he saw it. Join me next week as I reveal my mother's confession. The Other Me and the Ignorant Widow can be purchased on Amazon or downloaded on Kindle. Remember, you don't have to be strong, just knowledgeable. This is Claudia wishing you a great and spectacular week.